Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I am your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And uh, we're finally out of October. Our Halloween month is over. We're into uh, the month of November. And so that means that we're now transitioning into International Film Month. Um, We kind of talked about doing this before. You know, there aren't really Thanksgiving movies. Um, so... I mean, if there are, they're not good. No, and so I wasn't really quite sure what to do. Um, and so I I was looking and I saw that we did have international listeners, and I was like, well, what if we went and kind of tackled, you know, some film from these places? Um, and, and dive into that. Because I've been really enjoying with, like, Hispanic Heritage Month, you know, and the episodes we did with that. And with going back to some of the older films that we visited, like our 50s films, I've really enjoyed learning more and, and reteaching myself certain things. Um, so, yeah, we decided to do International Film Month, and uh, I, I chose the films based on our listenership. So, for this first week, we're doing um, Indian cinema. Uh, specifically, we are doing a Bollywood film. Uh but I decided to also, being me, not make it something obvious, I guess. And I went back to 1957, and I found... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. Um, and so I, I went and um, I found this film, Mother India. I, I did a Google search of just, like, Indian, like, Bollywood films. Um, and I think that this was, I, I mean, I'm not fucking around. I think that this came from like marieclaire.com or something like that. Um, I it, hope it did. It's just as absurd an answer. Like whatever, <laughs> whatever it actually was, like it's just as absurd. No, yeah, yeah. Um, but I still, fingers crossed. <laughs> and so this was one that they listed as like this classic one. And I was like, well, I don't really, I've never watched a single Bollywood film. Have you? No. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we hadn't really watched a single Bollywood film. Uh, I'd seen, like, bits of them in all sorts of different things, YouTube and in school and stuff like that. But I mean, I... I've seen, like, references to, like, Bollywood-style stuff mm-hmm. in, like, other forms of, like, media, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, Family Guy or, or, or something like that nature will do, like, a cutaway. Yeah, or, like, how Slumdog Millionaire ends with, like, the big, like, Bollywood-style Yeah, yeah exactly. So, like, it's it seeped its way into my my pop culture bubble, but um, I never, I never went searching directly on my own. No, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, we decided to kind of uh, do this dive into it, and I chose Mother India. It sounded interesting. It was like, oh, it's about this mother who who goes through these struggles. Um, and then they were, I started looking into it a little further, and they were like, oh, it's also this, she's sort of this metaphorical figure for certain ideals, and the story is largely about India. And so it ended up being this whole really interesting film. Um, and I guess we can go ahead and and jump on into it yeah um so as as always we do have uh, a clip so take a listen
गर्म नहीं आती है नहीं? बच्चे भूखो मरते हैं और तू औरत की खाया जा रहा है दोनों दिन बैठे बैठे पसीरी so that was mother india uh which as i said came out in 1957 the synopsis is in this melodrama a poverty-stricken woman raises her sons through many trials and tribulations but no matter the struggles uh but no matter the struggles always sticks to her own moral code uh the director is mehabub khan and it stars uh, Nargis, Sunil Dutt, Rajendra Kumar, Raj Kumar, and Kanaya Lele Chaturvedi. I guess, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to kind of start this off because I've got a whole <laughs> history lesson planned for the audience. No, no, go for it, honestly. <laughs> okay. um, so first off, let's, let's do a little background on... Uh, Indian history in very broad strokes for those who don't know. Um, this movie came out in 1957. Uh, so essentially, uh, India as a nation, as it was structured at that point, had only recently had an election for its first elected official six years earlier. Um, it had been under colonial rule, British colonial rule specifically for some time. Um, and it wasn't until just after World War II that both India and Pakistan were able to um, get their independence from British colonial rule. And so they were kind of getting themselves set up through the late 40s and into the early 50s. And um, during that time, there was a lot of upheaval um, and strife. Uh, and I'm I'm very much glazing over like a lot of very particular history, um, but that's kind of like where the nation was at at this point. You know, it was sort of just forming itself. Um, they were just creating this sort of governmental body. Um, the government was actually very interested and very focused on, you know, censorship in the film industry. The films that were coming out had to meet certain standards. Um, and so the whole the whole thing was sort of taking its own shape, right? It was a nation kind of just stepping out on its own um, after being under under someone's thumb for a very particularly long period of time, uh, and with that came all the difficulties, you know, of that. And the director uh, Mehbub Khan had made this film in 1940 called uh, Arat, which was about this woman who was dealing with, you know, sort of a life of poverty. Um, and it was sort of loosely inspired by these other stories that he had read. And um, he bought the rights to that film and wrote a script um, that was meant to both be... It was meant to be a lot of things. It was meant to be, you know, sort of a retelling of his old story. It was also meant to be a sort of larger metaphor for... Um, certain Hindi cultural identity values and also a sort of larger metaphor for India itself at that point. Uh, and the reason that it's called Mother India is actually because it's meant to be a direct critique and sort of cleanse away this memory of this racist book that some British woman had written called Mother India that essentially 
said India's absolute crap and and here are all of the racist reasons why um (laughs) and so the director specifically wanted to and he had to make his case to the government and let them read the script that this was supposed to be a direct you know sort of pushback against that and a celebration of indian culture and also the title was meant to erase it from everyone's sort of collective memory and the pop culture sort of memory at large you know and i guess it worked um, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like a little bit of the back history at play here. Um, and with that, I'll say that I think that this movie is super, super fascinating. Um, it's actually one that I've been liking more since I've watched it. We watched it earlier today. And since I've been sort of sitting on it and chewing on it and learning more of the history, I, I think that I really enjoy and respect this film quite a lot. Okay. What about you? No, I um I really enjoyed this movie. It does have issues. Like I'm not it's not a glowing endorsement, but I'll get into that. <laughs> no, um I think that I think that I think that that's fair. Um I I really enjoyed this movie um I'm not sure for the reasons I was supposed to because I think that I have to clarify for for the audience our version of the mother earth mother oh god um mother india had some pretty subpar subtitles oh and, yeah and so all of the songs they were just songs it was just songs in whatever that language was but we didn't get any translation and we just got to watch them sing and and do actions yeah this is not the movie's fault this is just i guess how it has been treated over time and presented the presentation of this movie was rough there were there were typos in the in the subtitles um they did just abruptly end at songs there were whole lines of dialogue that you felt like they just missed there were times where characters would just sort of say multiple things and it it just felt very disjointed and it was like i feel like someone is messing up the translation here you know like uh there's this one moment where the kid is telling this whole story while he's sitting on his grandma's like stomach mm-hmm. and i'm like i know that kids tell disjointed stories but like this is something <laughs> really because i was like yeah that sounds like a kid's story all right oh interesting <laughs> I was like, mm, I've heard many a story like this before. But no, and I think that that's, that's not the movie's fault at all that this was how it, um, the, the version that we ended up watching. Um, thank you. Thank you, Amazon. Um, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, it, it, the songs felt very, like, abrupt, but I enjoyed them. And I felt like they never, they, from what I got visually, didn't quite match the mood but um, overall, like, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm glad that we, we watched it. Yeah, so uh, the plot synopsis, honestly, I should also go back and, and clarify this. The plot synopsis of this woman who struggles to deal, like, raise her son and go through a lot of trials, that is true. But the first half of the movie is the one that really is, like, truly about, I think, the mom most directly the second half there there's a time jump halfway pretty much perfectly in the movie yeah um 
that like, pretty much acts as like where an intermission would go. No, yeah, and it kind of like is treated like an intermission mm-hmm. almost because like we get a pretty much mirrored version of the the opening song that this woman's like mm-hmm. she, on her wedding day, and then it's like a mirrored image of this young woman on her wedding day, but it's like the exact same song and the exact same imagery, and then we get like a time literal time jump, like her children yeah. grow instantly, and so, um. The second half is where it becomes a little bit more of an ensemble, and her her mains, her, one of her sons, um, Birju, becomes mm-hmm. like sort of one of the main focus characters as well. And the first half is this woman; she gets married, she and her husband have some kids, but the mom grandma made a bad deal. And went too big on the wedding, and they end up like losing some of their property, and they have to start giving all of this money to this this money lender. Um, and they're never really able to like work their way truly out of poverty until essentially, uh, and they're they're never truly out out of poverty. Um, but like the only thing that really kind of like saves them is this is this sort of flood where everyone else like chooses to leave but she transforms the land and like makes it into something great um and like along the way her husband loses his arms and he chooses to like leave the family um and the first half of the movie is like it's nuts and it's fantastic i really really think that like the first half is this wonderful is it a little bit melodramatic sure but i think that it is wonderful watching this woman like sort of almost immediately lose the shine of of what being a bride is supposed to be Mm -hmm. and just continue to persevere and it's she's a fascinating woman um and and she she remains interesting in the second half but like that first half for me really really struck hard I thought that it was so, so emotional. I thought that the moneylender was a great bad guy. I thought the kids were cute. I really thought that the first half, which I think is probably more of the direct remake of his first movie, um, was really interesting. The second half, when we get into the time jump, is I think where the movie starts to come a little bit off for me. No, yeah, I'd I'd say that I agree with that, honestly. Um it this movie feels almost like watching an opera. Um except there there's not like connective song, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, it is it is very bigger bigger, better, bolder, you know, than a than the average like musical would mm-hmm. be. Um it felt very almost like a like a like a Greek tragedy in parts as well. She's, um, to use a a Christian biblical reference, she's a Job-like figure. Mm. You know, it's just trial after trial. It's the plague. It's the famine. It's my child died. You know, it's my cattle died. It's just perpetually awful for this woman. At one point, literally, her home gets washed away. Yes, walls <laughs> literally fall away in a flood, and it is heartbreaking to watch her try and figure out what the, what she's gonna feed her her kids, 
that night you know is this the night that she finally gives in to the to the money lender you know and and basically owes him more you know in the return for his quote-unquote kindness um no i think that the first part of it is is so interesting and then and that's how i feel about the second part it it feels very um it it feels out of nowhere like you're like you're watching one of the the filler episodes of Naruto or you're like watching Naruto run around and and kind of and kind of be an annoying little prick and you wonder why people don't like him and you're like oh wait these are all of the reasons right here Naruto why people don't like you it's because you you kind of suck yeah um and that's kind of where like the second part of the movie kind of leans into is like her son who's kind of an ass yeah, and I I think, you know, it's it's obvious the first half of the movie is really about, you know, this idea of of finally getting out from it's all a lot of metaphor, right? Finally getting out from this particular person's rule, and and being able to kind of reclaim some autonomy and like persevere through all of this difficulty, and then they're finally on the other side, and they're this group of people again but there's there's conflict still and there's infighting still and there's struggles still and um and what are you to do in the in the face of that the issue for me is that the the son birju is supposed to be this um if i'm not mistaken uh as far as my research can tell he's supposed to be one of the mythological representations, you know, I talked about how it's not just a story about India, but it's also vaguely a, a Hindi religious sort of metaphor as well. Um, the god that he is supposed to be kind of an embodiment of who does do wrong, I think is also meant to be implied as someone who is also very charismatic and likable. You know, he's kind of... Um, Krishna, I believe, is the deity that he is supposed to be um, kind of an embodiment of. And he's also a lover, you know, um, and he has many wives and these kinds of things. And they allude to this idea that he is interested in women and surrounds himself sort of around them, but in this way of teasing them and constantly berating them and and being this horse's ass. It, it doesn't feel playful in any kind of way. And the moments where he is kind of endearing, almost immediately, right one scene later, he does something that makes you go, and and you're kind of an ass again. And so for me, the second half of the movie, they don't find the right balance of the cute kid becoming this kind of, you know, sweet but but sometimes a little temperamental kid who then becomes, like, a little bit of a true problem for them. Mm-hmm. I think that he's just mostly, mostly an ass. No, yeah, and honestly, I think that it kind of leans into the 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 melodramatic parts of this movie. It's definitely within the, the acting. And for the most part, honestly, I don't really have any notes about the acting. I think that they're all doing a really great job until I get to um, Beardju. And he just feels very um, uh, almost cartoonish mm-hmm. in in his his mannerisms and the way that he 
presents himself and you know the 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 way that he slouches as he as he comes you know trying to be shy i guess to to some women you know but then there are other times when he's like throwing rocks at them and and crap and so it's it's really it's really interesting it's almost i guess kind of like a like like a silent film except like he like i can hear him you mm-hmm. know but like he's his body is just as dramatic as as <laughs> as his vocals or you know as he would be if i couldn't hear him no he does feel the least realistic honestly now that you've mentioned it in that particular lens like he does feel the least realistic is honestly until he comes back as the militia dude yeah, and I guess that's why I equate him kind of to the the Naruto figure because like that's kind of how uh old school Naruto was for me until he comes back and it's Naruto Shippuden and I'm like, "Oh, you've gotten older. You're finally done being like I have to pull girls' hair because I like them mood." You know, it's it's not a fun mood, guys. Stop choosing it. Um, but like that's kind of how kind of how this character feels. He feels kind of bigger than everybody else for for no reason whatsoever. Attention? Yeah, I guess. It just it's I don't know. It's not really made very clear. Um but like, yeah. And and the second half it also feels like time is continually jumping in the second half, but that it's less I know that there's at least another time jump, but it, it's less clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that the mother is meant to be this personification of, like, the ideal kind of um, Hindi woman, not just to her family, but to her country mm-hmm. as well. Um, but there are times where it's just... It's it's almost difficult to get into her headspace because there are times where I just can't get on board with how much she s- continues to support Birju. Um, yeah, yeah, and there are so many times when I was just like screaming at the TV, "Kill the money lender! Do yeah. it! Do it!" It's apparently it's not going to cost you anything, but like you know, maybe a little bit of good people points. Like, just do it. Your life will be so much better. No, absolutely. Um. So I, I, I and I think that also they do give a lot of time in the second half to. Birju, but not to her other son, Ramu, who is meant to be sort of a sort of fill-in for Rama, um, another deity. Um, And so we never really get time with Ramu either, and he just feels like this real write-off character. And I guess he was kind of a write-off character, honestly, in the first half as well. You know, Birju was definitely the son that got the most screen time in the first half as well. Um, no, yeah, but I guess, like, I don't know, they could have changed that in the second half, you know? They could have made him more interesting. No, that's true. He's just kind of like the the perfect other boy. No, that's fair. Um, but it's, I think it's a really, I think it's a particularly fascinating movie, um, because also this was a, a time where, like, social realism was kind of trying to creep into, um indian film and so a lot of them were myth-based and and romances but you did have specifically social realism films that like played great with the soviet union because after world war ii 
um, India was kind of uh, friendly through this particular agreement with both the USSR and the US. And um, there is even, you can see it in the movie, an influence of um, Soviet art and Soviet imagery into some of this film. And so I think this movie is honestly fascinating. It's been a really interesting puzzle box and and dive into to kind of figure out and, and pick through layer by layer. But also I think that even though I think all of the text is thought about, I think it is better executed in the first half than in the second half. I think in the second half, the themes and ideas are not nearly executed as cleanly. No, I, I'd say that that's fair. Um, you you talked about the the imagery, and I think that that was probably the the Soviet imagery. I think that that was probably one of my favorite parts of of the movie, and it honestly kind of reminded me of Frida a little bit, mm-hmm. with these kind of um, flattening of of perspective. You know, the people in the frame would be like almost like right on top of each other but like perfectly aligned and all looking in the same direction and it was it was such a cool cool visual and i think that that was something so striking that um that i had never seen honestly before this that i wanted to to make a note of (laughs) no for sure um I did, before we, we end out, I did want to kind of also add in one one last little bit of, um, of history as well. Okay. Um, so, specifically, Bollywood only accounts for, like, a particular kind of um, cinema that comes from India. Um, but, and it specifically refers to its origins in the Bombay region, uh, and that it's Hindi language films. Uh, but they make up 25% of Indian film output overall. So Bollywood is their biggest film output. Um, but for a while, they also had film production that came from Calcutta that was in the Bengali language, and Madras that was in Tamil, Kannada, and, uh, Telugu. And, uh, I also wanted to specify that this particular movie, Mother India, in its production, it's considered this a uh, part of this um, Hindustan movement of films from the 40s to the 60s that have a colloquial blend of uh, Hindi and Urdu languages. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's great. I think that it's a smart film. I think I've I think I've grown to like it more since I've gotten time from it because I've also gone and done all of this research and you can see how steep some of this in imagery is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think that there's a real universality in some of the story and the imagery to the point where almost you don't need subtitles. No, yeah. Um there would definitely be a lot of things that you would be like, what are they talking about? I don't know. And like, you would just have to kind of wait. But I think that you could really get a lot, a lot of the large story beats. Well, I mean, I think that that's just a, a common trope of, of cinema just as mm-hmm. a whole from this era. It's, it's very bigger than life. Um, in, 
in a in a very theatrical sense. Um, but also, it was kind of I think interesting to, you know, when I think back of like Christian biblical figures, you know, so many of them are people who were portrayed as close to the earth, you know, shepherds and mm-hmm. farmers and carpenters and these people who toil. Oh yeah, you know, um, but are ultimately sort of morally rewarded in some kind of way and like watching there's this particular image it's like the poster image it's the image that is in david cook's textbook <laughs> it's, when he it's honestly it's iconic <laughs> and it's of her pulling this plow and she looks almost crucified mm-hmm. you know it's it's and this is where we run into this interesting conundrum when people talk about this film. You know, they, they talk about how she is this sort of feminist icon, but also not. And I think that that's because ultimately it is also, she she is, I think, as feminist as the times and the religion and all of the other things blending together. You know, if you're trying to make a figure that is this perfect metaphor... Mm-hmm. for certain ideals back in 1957 mm-hmm. you know i think that you're bound to on a certain level still have some dated views in there but i think that she's a great character i feel for her yeah uh, rada um i feel for her her struggle i feel for her strife and you you do see this universality of these of these stories and and how human narrative even religious narrative has so many similarities and similar themes, right? Sacrifice for others, doing the right thing, community good being reflected, you know, also in the home and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that it's I think it's really interesting, and I think that it's a powerful movie. I'll probably go back to it sometime. Yeah. Probably not soon. It's probably going to be kind of almost like Citizen Kane for me. Every once in a while, I'll be like, you know what? Mother India. <laughs> no, yeah, but I'm also curious, I guess, of, of going further further down the rabbit hole and seeing what else we can... Oh, for sure. We can poke around and, and find within, you know, the 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 Indian film scene. Oh, and, and like just from 57, we have other options as well. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you said that... that um, that Bollywood was 25%? Yeah, going all the way back to... Uh, here's another fun fact. The Indian film industry is the only active film industry in the world today, technically formed under colonialism. Yeah. Bleak fact for you. <laughs> Chew on that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I would love to absolutely go and, and dig deeper into it. Um this is considered to be kind of like Gone with the Wind. Uh, I prefer this to Gone with the Wind. I also prefer this to Gone with the Wind. Um, but I think that... I think that this is definitely like a good one. And like if if I ever wanted to, to show like international, you know, cinema to people, I think that this would easily be one that I would recommend for people. No, honestly, I, I can definitely see... <laughs> See my 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 father for sure finding some interest like in this. this. No, yeah, I mean, mom is mom is the easy bite. <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> it's the all the singing for dad. <laughs> I think your dad will get more into it honestly in the second half. No, yeah, and also the fact that like 
you know, this they go through a lot of trials. I think that I think that he'd find this movie very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what would you give it out of out of five? I'm gonna give this movie a three and a half. Okay, I'm gonna go four. Okay. Um, I think that even though it does have some some issues in that second half, um, I don't know. It it, it it worked for me, and especially once I learned more, a lot more clicked for me, and I, I think that it's a really interesting movie. No, I mean, I'm not, I guess, maybe I am grading it a little bit for the presentation, um, but I would like I would like to, to understand more of the movie than what I got. Yeah, for sure. Like, Criterion, I, I, I looked this up. Oh, I'm glad I, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Someone listening... If you somehow are affiliated with the Criterion Collection, where is this one? You know, like, you have some other films from this. You have the Apu Trilogy. Um, why no Mother India? You know, where's the love? Uh, is it difficult to do so? I don't know. But I think that this movie is in dramatic need of some some TLC. You know, it needs some it needs some tender love and care. You know? There were typos! There are multiple uh, T-E-H's where it should be the. There are a few mothers that become madre. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty. And again, there are literally whole sentences that you just lose. Um, and I think that it also is partially due to the fact that it is this kind of colloquial dialectical thing. And so I'm sure that there is some difficulty there that's not an excuse this movie is from 57 but we should correct it so criterion collection like go out get a print clean it up get someone who understands this thing and give this thing a release that it deserves because if we can have gone with the fucking wind in 4k (sighs) then i can have a criterion release of mother india (laughs) I didn't know they released that thing in 4K. That's disappointing. It's never going to not be released. That's fair. Stop doing it, guys. It's it's a very racist movie. Don't you worry about that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, and also, you know, like, I did a little dive, like, into Bollywood and you see echoes or indian cinema at large and you see echoes you know it talks about in the 30s that a lot of what the films were doing were were what theater was doing and that that was theater stars that came over and like you hear that echoed throughout so many cinematic traditions and um they talk about how the 70s had this tumultuousness and this upheaval and how the Bollywood industry started to pivot to these sort of crime stories. And we did the same thing. And so it's it's really interesting to me to see these echoes, this universality of the human experience. Because it's obvious, you know, that's why you can watch a movie from another country and it still works for you is because of the universality of the human condition but it's interesting to also see the universality sort of of the of the human narrative echoed multiple places yeah no um i i really enjoyed our our little deep dive earlier into into um indian history i had i had no idea how how much 
how many like riots and 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 such happened and like you know people getting killed and another person coming into power mm. it was it was it was quite nuts but also to your point um all of the things that reminded me of things that happened in our history mm-hmm. and i was like oh that reminds me of such and such and like oh god you guys had one too damn sorry son you know no absolutely um moving on um I guess we can talk it's we've been so busy that it's been a while since we've had like the time to talk about like other things because like you know the horror the horror stuff was taking up so much of our time that we didn't really have other stuff to like talk about really you know yeah um oh so the uh here's a little news update the IATSE is still working on a vote it's going to be a month-long process on this thing um but it should be, I think, sometime this month or next month when when everything is finalized. So I'll I'll continue to update on that. Uh, the new Morbius trailer dropped. It looks fine. <laughs> oh, that's the that's the best answer. I mean, if Ooh. that's what you're if that's what you're into, man. I felt the same way about the um about the book of boba fett trailer like i watched it and i was like whatever man if that's if that's your fucking flavor (laughs) yeah it's just kind of exhausting at this point like they look fine i might watch something of it but like also i'm not going to fully invest any of my brain power into it anymore i've seen where you put your power you know your interests lie away from mine no absolutely um i'm trying to think if there's other sort of industry news that's worth mentioning to y'all honestly nothing really comes to mind um eternals of course is the first rotten marvel film it's officially rotten on rotten tomatoes i love it i want to know why um because the audience has been too conditioned to think a marvel film is only one thing and on top of that it also has things that rile up certain populations of americans that then cause them to go and review bomb and throw a hissy fit and not at all react like people did to last jedi well i mean when you are the squeaky wheel baby you get the you get the most oil um it's been getting review bombed um with ones on imdb I, I, I want to know. I want to know why why people are over here saying ones. Like, we just got to watch it. I think a lot of it just really boils down to audience expectation, what people do and don't want from a Marvel movie now. Um, that kind of thing. Copy. Cool. Um, but beyond that, not really too terribly much else worth noting. There was... Um, there was the shooting that occurred on the Rust set that I mentioned. Since then, we still don't have a complete picture. There has been a lot of blame being thrown around. The armorer has now lawyered up. Um, the producers are saying that they weren't making an unsafe set. Uh, more people have come out and said that the set was very unsafe. There have been reports of live rounds being fired. Um it's a whole shit show. It is. If I'm not mistaken, I saw a headline uh, earlier today or yesterday where, like, the armor's lawyer made the assertion that perhaps the, the round being put in the gun was sabotage. 
Um, so there's a there's a whole. It's messy. This it is, is messy. This is gonna be the next Knives Out plot. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty disastrous. Um, but the good news that I guess is coming from it is there is now all of this discussion on making sets safer and getting rid of unnecessary risks on set. And I think you know the thing for me, and I mentioned it, I think when I brought it up that cinched it. Um, is the the director of John Wick said that all of the John Wick films use airsoft with post VFX flash and shells and, and slide. Those, those movies look great, and those movies are synonymous with gunplay. And so, if if it's good enough for John Wick, it's good enough for all of us. So, yeah, just like think the noise, you know, while you're shooting it on on set, just like pew 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 pew. You oh, know, and I, honestly, I'm sure <laughs> that if we wanted to, you know, there are ways that we could create on set sound you know as well that could work you know there are things that we could do yeah get like a get like a sound engineer down there you know to to pump in some sound for you guys while you're while you're playing mm-hmm. or just you know have it already be pre-planned out and just you know really lock in that choreography guys yeah um so that's the the most recent update on that the production is probably not going to complete which is probably for the best um i mean honestly i think that people would just be going to see it at this point for because of the fact morbid that, curiosity yeah yeah and i don't i don't know if that's really worth it at this point kind of like the crow yeah yeah um what we've been watching moving on um because we now actually have time to watch other things we exciting uh, we recently watched scooby-doo Still holds up the live action one. Yes, from I don't care. Two thousand two. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says. Is it good? Maybe not. Do I love it? Yes. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a hell yes. Thank you. Um, we also recently watched the Adams Family, which definitely still holds up and is good. Yes, um, yes. We recently also watched both of the uh, Christopher Columbus Harry Potter films, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets is definitely my personal favorite Harry Potter film. Um, obviously, I feel weird even just sort of talking about Harry Potter, giving Harry Potter airtime just because J.K. Rowling makes me feel icky, but... See, I just have to separate it. She sucks, and Harry Potter lives on without it. It's kind of like, you know... It's 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 not a stain that it has to wear forever. If you If you... If you just disassociate it, like I do. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's tough for me. No, yeah, but also, like, you know, at the end of the day, I guess, like, for me personally, like, J.K. Rowling was just the person who wrote this story for me for a lot of this. And, like, I never had all of that, like, connection to, like, all of the deep down stuff until, you know, much later on. So I never really had this, like, connection. I, I, I tend to do this with a lot of, honestly, books that I read. I don't really connect them with, I guess, the the author. Maybe that's that's a bad thing. I should I should fix that. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I don't know. But what I will say is that, um, you know, they were very impactful for me, and like I can't also, I guess, excise that either. You know, the impact that they did have on me. Um, 
and so I always do like going back and revisiting them every once in a while. Um, I actually don't think that I've gone back and rewatched these movies or reread these books, truthfully, though, in, like, several years now. No, yeah. Um, honestly, I've been really enjoying the, the re-going down the journey, um, the, the rabbit hole, as, as, as people say. I don't know. Um, no, yeah, I haven't read these books in a very, very, very long time. I was not much of a reader growing up, so this was the only book series that I really went through, and I went through them once, and that was, that was it, you know? One and done, that was me. I didn't really, like, re-pick up a book. And so it's been really fun, actually, going through and, and re-seeing the imagery and, like, feeling that magic again for the first time, honestly. You know, like that Madonna song, Like a Virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it's been good. Chamber of Secrets is easily my favorite of the films. Um, we'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated as we, as we continue through those films as well. Um, beyond that, I mean, I've been playing a little Mafia 3, which is fine. <laughs> it's an alright game. Um... I'm pretty pumped about Jurassic World Evolution 2, which is coming out next week. I'll definitely tell y'all all about that yes. next week. Um, oh, I think that I might... Here's a little update. I think that I might have a guest for y'all for next week. Um, next week, I believe, is supposed to be... British cinema? It was supposed to be Egypt. Oh, but, yes. Next um... week is Egypt. Um, so I might be getting a guest, not for, for next week, I'll probably record it next week, but it'll be for the week after that, but I might have a, a guest for British cinema. Um, so Exciting. yeah, I'll, I'll keep y'all abreast of any updates regarding that as well. Um, dear, is, is there anything else that you would like to, to say to the listeners before we leave? No, honestly, it just feels so weird to like not have more to do. <laughs> yeah oh go and listen to the weekly pop-up we recently appeared on sky's podcast we recorded that wednesday he posted it today um so go and give that a listen i'll give a, a link to that episode down below um but sky's a great guy um he's got a really great great mind for story he always has uh, and he was a very good interviewer and i think that i gave the episode a listen and i think that it turned out pretty well so Go and, yeah. go and give that a try. Do it. Uh, beyond that, continue to stay safe. Um, continue to watch good stuff. Continue to make the stuff that you wish you could see. Uh, and as always, my name is Paul. And I'm Lauren. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.